Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 300. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lendit FinTech. Today's episode is brought to you by Lendit FinTech, the world's largest digital media and events company dedicated to all things FinTech. Lendit Fintech offers programs throughout the year to the fintech community, such as engaging webinars, white papers, a weekly news show, a daily newsletter, and our newest offering, Fintech Features, a program that helps fintech companies amplify their announcements. Find out more details on all these offerings at lendit.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Michael Bork. He is the CEO of Lending Home, a position he's held since December 2020. Now, Lending Home is well known to many people. They are really the leaders in in the bridge loan space for people doing fix and flip type real estate transactions. And they've done over seven billion dollars in loans. And we talk about the we talk about the housing market here, the fi- the fix and flip space specifically. We talk about their new rental financing product. We talk about the uh, impact of the pandemic on not just the uh, investor side, but also on the borrower side of the business. Uh, we talk about the the loan performance that they they have seen uh, throughout the pandemic and when they return to normal. Uh, we talked about the future of the bridge loan space and uh, what's coming down the pipe and much more. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. Uh, I know you've been at Lending Home for, you know, for a few years now, but let's, let's just talk about what you did before you got to Lending Home. Sure. Happy to share that. So my background, I, I kind of grew up in, in GE and G Capital. I spent 15 years there uh, on the kind of growing up through the, the finance ranks and spent about half my time focused on industrial manufacturing companies, as well as uh, the other half focused on, on financial services, both kind of domestic and abroad. After kind of a, a great 15 year run there, I, I decided to do something a little different and joined uh, Aquin Financial Corporation, which at the time was the fourth largest mortgage servicer in the country and uh, was their kind of public CFO for, for four years and uh, helped kind of steer the company through uh, a bit of uh, turbulent times and then uh, joined Lending Home back, uh, I guess, in the summer of 2018 as the, their CFO and COO and took over from Matt Humphrey as our, our CEO in December. Right, right. So what was it, what was the, about Lending Home that, that attracted you back in 2018? Yeah, it, it, look, it was just really exciting. Uh, I felt like I grew a lot in my time at Aquin, but a lot of that experience was being defensive and was really looking to get back into playing offense again, building and growing a company. Uh, I also felt like I'd done a lot of really interesting things in my career, but I had a little bit of a blind spot as it related to technology companies. Mm-hmm. And it feels like if you kind of don't have that experience, you're, you're on the wrong side of history. So, right. um, you know, really... Got to know Matt back in 2015 and got to know the company and what they were up to. And, and Matt and I stayed in touch over the years. You know, I, I considered it friendship. He, he called it long-term recruiting. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, as he was looking for his next kind of, uh, kind of operating and, and finance leader, I was considering what was next and uh, really just loved the idea of joining the company, bringing kind of my big company background as well as, you know, experience in, in finance and in housing. Uh, to lending home, recognizing that I would also learn a ton from from Matt and the rest of the team around entrepreneurship and technology and innovation, and really uh, 
have enjoyed uh, my time here so far. Right, right. Okay. So then maybe before we get right into it, let's just take a step back. And, you know, the housing market today is, it's interesting to say the least. It's been, I don't think anyone would have predicted uh, where we are today, 14 months ago when the pandemic hit. I was I was concerned about my real estate investments back in, uh, you know, back in March of 2020. But um Tell us, give us a little bit of just a, an overview of where real estate's at today, particularly like in the, you know, in the in the bridge in the bridge loan kind of, you know, the, that sort of space. But overall, where where is it today? Yeah, the look, the market's been been wild, and apologize for for the dogs in the background. Um, like everybody uh, working from home, uh, <laughs> you, you can't predict these things. But you know, look, the it's been a really interesting journey since the the start of the pandemic. You know, I think the dynamics that are driving the overall real estate market are also feeding into the bridge loan space as well. And I think if you look at the drivers, it's really two or three things. You know, people with the whole work from home dynamic, people now are in, you know, desiring extra rooms for an office or two, depending on on how many, you know, breadwinners there may be in a family. And given that people can have a lot more flexibility now where they work, it's 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 created a lot more mobility. And so people are not, you know, necessarily tethered to being an hour you know, let's say from from the office location. And so you're seeing a big migration of people into smaller cities and rural areas, um, you know, just trying to balance, you know, lifestyle and cost and, and opportunity. I think the other thing that's happened is you've seen people want uh, a little bit more distance from their neighbors. So instead of people preferring, you know, high rise condos, apartments, things like that, you're seeing detached homes, yards, all of that becoming um, much more uh, interesting for, for buyers and renters. And so as you think about the investment opportunities today, those are really the keys that, that, that people are focused on. I think the other thing is, as we're in this kind of still in this pandemic, you know, people who desire those things are less likely to be able to buy something that needs a lot of work. You know, they might be, you know, home, you know having their kids, you know, be, be home and, and having to, to manage that day to day as well as their own kind of work from home experience. And so it's really driven demand for move in ready homes. Uh, which you know has really set up well for our our kind of real estate investor customers. Right. So let's. I last had I had Matt Humphrey on the show back in it was like three years ago now, back in 2018. And uh, yeah, so I'd love to get an update on Lending Home. What's happened over the last three years? I know you you said I saw a press release that came out. I think it was just a week or two ago about a record a record month you've had. So obviously things are going reasonably well. But uh, I'd love to get an update of the last uh, three years. Yeah, no, great. And, um, you know, happy to provide that perspective. You know, the, the company's doing great. Uh, I'm really proud of the team. If I, you know, kind of re- we reset back maybe to, you know, two, two and a half or three years ago when I joined the company, it was really in an inflection point. And so, the, you know, in the earlier kind of vision of the company, it, it, it had ambitions to go into the consumer mortgage market and try to bring its technology and process capability um, you know, to help originate uh, residential mortgage loans. And, and, and ultimately, for a couple of different reasons, the company decided that that wasn't the best strategy. I, you know, I, we joke while, you know, everybody in the company was maybe focused on that, our, 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 our product for residential real estate investors continued to, to really thrive and found terrific product market fit. And so really, at the end of 2018, we, we doubled down and said, you know what, this is a, it's an underserved customer set incredibly important in the broader, you know, housing dynamic and in, in, in the real estate environment today. And we really want to continue to serve them well and focus there. And so that's what we've done. We, we moved away from the consumer uh, space and, and really today are, are just focused on residential real estate investors. 
we, you know, did set a record, uh, you know, for our, our production in March, I guess that went out in, in late April and, and, and probably that record stood for <laughs> uh, you know, maybe just a few weeks. Um, and uh, we, we quickly surpassed that, but uh, it, it's really exciting to see. And I think what you're, what you're seeing is that our, our approach to try to build a, a one-stop solution across the entire real estate investment life cycle for customers um, to help them be informed, to help them find their next property, to help them kind of finance the purchase and the renovation of that project and, and ultimately help them monetize it is really, you know, given us ability to, to, to establish these really strong relationships. We're really the only provider out there focused on kind of this life cycle view of, of, of the real estate investor. What's interesting is you, you know, on one dimension, you, you compete against more of some of the old school lenders who, who, who typically serve this space. Right. Um, you know, and we're bringing technology and scale and process, you know, in a way that they're not. And then on the other dimension, you have companies like Zillow and Opendoor who are bringing a lot of kind of uh, end-to-end you know, support and experience across a transaction, but it's really focused on, on homeowners and the end consumer. And so, you know, we're, we're really excited to kind of stand alone in, in this intersection of providing this really life cycle service to real estate investor customers and it's paying off. Right, right. So, you know, I know you've traditionally had this, uh, the bridge loan product for what, you know, is, what is colloquially termed fix and flip type uh, type endeavors, but I know you, you recently added a, a rental financing product. Obviously, there are not every home needs to be renovated, I imagine, when it comes on the market for and So tell us about, tell us about that. What was the reasoning behind adding, adding that product? Yeah, look, there's, there's a lot of, there's a huge boom today in, in kind of the demand for single family rental um, homes and investments. Um, but it, the idea really came from listening to our customers. And so what, what they were asking for was the ability to, instead of having to, to sell a home on the open market to monetize their investment, they wanted the ability to become a landlord and earn income over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that, pe- is that kind of buying, renovating and selling a home is pretty operationally intensive. And over time, it seems like many of our larger customers eventually want to build a passive income portfolio of rental properties that kind of provide ongoing recurring income for them. Um, And so it really is like a complementary product as they think about building and growing their business. Um, That really got us thinking about this, you know, what are the other ways we can potentially serve this customer set, thinking about helping them across the value chain of, of all of their activities. We actually launched a service called the, the property marketplace late, I guess, in the second half last year. Um, but the idea is that, you know, again, listening to our customers, one of the biggest challenges they talk about today is helping, is, is having trouble find their next deal. Um, for some of these professional real estate investors, they'll spend between five and 10K of their own marketing dollars, you know, trying to find that next opportunity. And so the idea is that, you know, we're building a marketplace for them where they can come, you know, the, the marketplace is curated. So nothing ends up on that site that we don't believe has attractive economics for a real estate investor. And so we're just getting ramped up there. We've done a, about 20 transactions so far, um, but really excited to, to build out this, this capability and again, help our customers, you know, find their next deal and, and hopefully take, take, take a loan with Lending Home. Right, right. So, so can we talk about the loans just for a second here? Obviously a, a rental, someone, is, well, someone wants a rental property and what's that income stream is going to be, the loan is going to be very different to a, a bridge loan. So what a... Just tell us about some of the, I mean, what are the durations of these loans? Or the, how are the rates, uh, the rates lower than the fix and flip? I mean, what's, what, what are the deal? Yeah, the, the single family rental loans are, are 
it's much more a, of an established product. Um, you know, there's there's agencies, banks, non-bank institutions that play a very well-developed securitization market. And so rates are, I'd say, uh, above what you'd get for an owner-occupied residential mortgage, but but still, you know, very attractive today, given how low interest rates are. So, you know, think, you know, four, five, 6% um, interest rate, depending on you know, loan to value and the characteristics of the property and, 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 and the rental income, et cetera. Um, and that compares to our, our bridge loans, which are, as you described, much shorter in duration. These are typically a 12 month loan. And, you know, the idea is that it's taking a property through a state of transition. And so in some ways they, our customers are, are, are destroying value before they create value in the renovation of the home. But, but really uh, it's about typically an eight and a half percent to 10% interest rate, depending again on, on individual characteristics you might have a point, point and a half of fees up front. And then it's, uh, you know, basically set up to pay off. Uh, there's interest, there's interest payments made, but, but ultimately, you know, it's paid off at the end of the loan. And so, you know, provides an opportunity for customers to, you know, create value in these homes. And, you know, we, we can get into it a little bit more, but through kind of our data analytics and machine learning capability, we really, I, I think have honed in on the elements that drive success here. And so, on average, uh, one of our one of our bridge loans is is typically uh, about a sixty seven percent loan to the after renovated value of the home, and so, you know, generally a higher interest rate, but generally lower risk. You know, when you think about the fact that the borrower is probably creating thirty points of equity as long as they can complete the renovation as expected. Right, right, yeah, it makes sense. So then, tell us, let's talk about the the funding of these loans. I mean, how are you? I know the retail investor platform shut down some time ago. So tell us about how you're funding these loans today. Sure. So the business today, uh, from a bridge loan perspective, is entirely funded through revolving securitizations, and so this is a, a kind of a program we launched in. Uh, I think our, our first transaction was in April of 2019, and it's it's akin to what you. Uh, how credit card uh, receivables and how kind of floor plan or inventory finance receivables work. But the idea is that you take a, a pool of loans um, that have, you know, subject to certain characteristics that are specified in the deal, and you securitize those and, and sell them to institutional investors and in, in tranches. And ultimately what happens is as loans pay off, you can, you can, you can uh, contribute new loans in as long as they meet the origination criteria. And so, these are have been really helpful for the company. It's it's basically a, a two year reinvestment period and then a one year wind down. So you get kind of a duration of capital, and so you have that certainty. It's also fixed from an interest rate perspective, and so you you understand what your your borrowing costs are going to be. And so as long as the loans you're originating fit that you know kind of the parameters of the deal, you you have guaranteed takeout, and that that proved to be incredibly important for the company about this time last year when when COVID struck. You know the ability to to have a place to put every loan we originated made us unique in the market, where many of our competitors were selling, you know, I'd say you know almost like hand to mouth originating loan and then and turning around and selling it on the whole loan market. Well, as a lot of the the, the mortgage rates and uh, both commercial and resi, you know, were struggling and trying to understand their exposure, you know, they really shut down purchasing whole loans, and so many of our kind of traditional competitors actually had to close their doors for a month or two while the the markets. Uh, you know, kind of got unstuck. And right. so, you know, we were able to, 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 to remain active, to continue to serve customers. And I think that, that, that really helped position the company well, you know, again, for, for these professional real estate investors who've come to rely on us over the years. Right. And so, so the rental financing product, is that also, you securitize all those loans as well? 
So the the rental financing product is still new. We're we're building up our track record, kind of okay. similar to how we've evolved the capital strategy around the bridge loans. We're 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 hoping to do the same thing around kind of single family rental. And so as we act, you know, as we execute more transactions, get more data, we'll continue to innovate around kind of some of the credit characteristics. You know, we hope, and then you know, move to you know that type of of securitization eventually. Um, right. Today we're selling no uh, selling those as whole loans. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So then on the borrower side, I mean, are these, can you just share the profile of a typical borrower? I mean, how many, how many properties they, they typically have, how often they come back, who like these are, are these like small time operators or how would you describe them? Yeah. Our, look, our, our customers are, are incredible. They range from kind of professional real estate investors to people who are making their first uh, real estate investment um, in a given month you know, the company typically sees about 80% of our volume coming from repeat customers. And about 85% of the volume is done by, you know, people that we consider to be professional real estate investors. And it's kind of an internal definition, but think about it as people who might do, you know, five or more transactions over a couple of year period. And so, you know, firm, you know, companies like this are really like small businesses, they might have their own teams, their own crews, you know, they, they typically might start in a geography, but expand as they see markets change and, and, and see different opportunity. And so, you know, we've really built our business on the backs of, of these customers and, and, and focusing on them and, and, and helping them uh, succeed. You know, we have some customers that have been with us since 2015 and have done over, you know, two or 300 transactions with us over wow. those years. Um, it's really, it's really incredible. We're also excited to serve the people just starting out. It's a big investment. It's a big decision. There's a lot of complexity that goes into these projects. And so um, whether somebody wants to you know, think about this as a business full time or somebody is trying to maybe be a little bit opportunistic, you know, we, we have a different way to serve them and help them you know, kind of navigate the process. And it's really important, I think, first, because you know, what's interesting is if you look at the market about you know, half of the volume is done by people who are more on the, 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 this side of the spectrum and half are on kind of the professional uh, side. So we, we aim to serve both well. And, you know, ultimately for everybody, we want to make sure that they're set up for success and, and helping make, helping them make a good investment decision. Right. And so how did those two types of um, operators handle the, the, the pandemic? I mean, did they, you know, obviously, I mean, I imagine loan demand went down dramatically at the beginning because no one really knew what was going to happen. But maybe you could just t- talk us through what it was like March, April, May, June last year. Yeah. Contrary to what you might have expected, I guess the dynamic in the market that I described with many of our competitors having to pause or close actually had the opposite effect with us. People figured out we were open. Okay. And I think from a, but it was terrifying because it was like a, a Friday afternoon to a Sunday morning, we saw like 30 million worth of loan submits come in. And that's usually a, a pretty quiet period. I mean, you, you have some activity where we're, we're all online, so people can do that at any point in time. But it made us think, you know, wait a minute, what, what's happening here? And, 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 and how is the pandemic going to play out? What is it going to mean for the real estate market generally? How do we think about our capital and protecting our institutional investors and, and remaining active? And so in a lot of discussion with our board, our risk teams, and modeling out a bunch of different scenarios, we said, you know what, let's, let's be a little bit more conservative Let's um, be a little bit more restrictive in our lending terms um, to make sure we were being responsible facing the uncertainty that we were. And so we raised prices a bit, we lowered leverage a bit, you know, facing that uncertainty. Um, and so 
through some of those self-imposed changes, we actually saw volume decline. People were themselves, I think it, it forced them to, to think, you know, how do I, how do I feel about this investment or, you know, at, at lower leverage, do I have the capital to make this investment? Um, and so, you know, customers appreciated that we were still in business. They didn't necessarily love some of those changes. <laughs> um, but from there, we really saw activity pick up from that reset in, I'd say, late March, early April. And there was really a steady increase from there as, as people got comfortable with their ability to execute projects, kind of the, the, the capital and cash flows necessary. And really, since then, it's been a, a steady stream of progress. And we've kind of blown through our pre-COVID levels around right, the end. Right. So when did you say it was, when would you say it was back to normal? What was, what was the month that you would say that, yeah, we're back on target? I think when we, we got into, my suspicion is probably around the end of the third quarter, okay. um, early fourth quarter, you started to see more of the professional real estate investors kind of come back in force. And then, you know, that really continued, you know, really into and through the first quarter. And now it feels like everybody's engaged. Right. And then on the investor side, you said you've got that sort of rolling securitization structure, which was obviously great, a great thing to have in, in hindsight. But did you see like new investor demand start to, you know, how, how was that? Did you see it sort of taper off or not? So we, we actually were able to do a kind of a private securitization in the middle of the pandemic. So I think it was May, June timeframe. And really what I think institutional investors have seen is, is first a track record from Lending Home, um, given a lot of the data advantages that the company has and, and how we, we use those advantages to, to generate loans and, and make, help our customers make good decisions. Our, our loan performance you know, remained advantaged relative to others. And so people, people saw that in, in some of the leading indicators in the pandemic and, and were still interested. Um, obviously, low interest rates and you know is a factor, and and so people are chasing yield, um, bridge loans. I, I think we mentioned the rates earlier. You know, we don't we don't sell at that at that rate to institutional investors, but it is a place where investors can go to get yield. And the relatively short duration of our loans, even though they, people invest in multi year securitizations, gave people confidence that we we could adapt. You weren't making a, a lending decision today that like a consumer mortgage, you'd have to wait seven to 10 years to figure out if you're going to make money. You, you know, it's a, it's typically an eight year, an eight month payoff. And so if the market changes, if dynamics change, you know, we'd have an ability to, to, to kind of modify our lending terms and, and course correct. And so, you know, investors stuck with us, the, the company's loans remained in high demand. And, you know, we actually priced the securitization about a month ago now, you know, that at, a, at kind of all time low, uh, rates for the company, which which was terrific. Okay, and then so, what about the loan performance? Like from the loans, I'm most interested in that you just you know that maybe six, six three to six months before the pandemic hit, how did they fare? You know, did you find you know what was that? Was there much of a you know much of an uptick in uh, in problems? So the uh, the end result is was was no. I think the the health of the real estate market has provided just incredible liquidity to investors, and in that you know I think everybody generally is doing a lot better than they would have imagined. Right. Um, I think our performance remains ahead of our our peers, and I think speaks to kind of how we originate loans and how we use our data advantages to to make decisions. I think what what we did though is you know we we introduced a, a payment deferral program, and we had company we had customers take advantage of that. And so people who might have been getting to, you know, they, they might have just listed a property or gotten to the end where they would have typically monetized it, you know, 
the real estate markets were really not active in, in March and April last year and May. And so um, people wanted to extend and, and wait and see. And so we, we implemented deferral payment deferral programs to allow them to um, kind of extend their loans. And, and ultimately we saw, you know, I don't know, we probably, I think we had over 50 million of payment deferrals of, of loans who, who deferred payments. And I think all of them paid off in full, you know, at, at the end of the day. And so, you know, we were happy to be able to have that flexibility to help our customers and are, are proud to see how, how, how the loans have done. Right, right, right. Fair enough. So interesting question here. I, I, I've, I've been thinking as you've been talking here that, you know, this is a very data driven business. So I want to just talk about data and how, what you're looking at, the real estate's a very data driven business. What is it that makes a deal successful? Like how, how, does it, how do you sort of approve a deal to come onto your platform? What, and what are you looking for that would, that would make a deal you would turn down? Sure. So the company over its, I guess, seven or eight years now has, has invested probably $90 million or more in its software platform you know, to help give customers a great experience, to help our teams you know, navigate the origination process. Um, but also to both ingest and create like highly structured data that our teams can use, feed into kind of machine learning and decisioning models to help make, you know, good decisions. You know, I think to date, we've ingested over 900 million data points kind of that go into, you know, that have gone into transactions. I think we funded over 32,000 loans so far. And so, you know, with every loan we do, we're, we're kind of continuing to get smarter and, and identify the characteristics kind of around both the borrower and a property that can help indicate success. And so we've been able to identify, you know, let's say combinations of, of, of elements of a renovation that you know, generally lead to higher risk outcomes. If you're going to do foundation work, if you're going to add square footage, um, you know, these are all well known in the industry as being extensive, but we can kind of assess the combination of those inputs, you know, to, to predict, you know, an increased level of risk in, in a potential loan. You know, and then we also have used it to identify processes inside the company that, you know, maybe, you know, the company started doing because everybody was doing them. But as we've assessed the data, you know, we actually don't need to, to do those steps because it, it really doesn't matter or doesn't have a predictive outcome at the end of the day. And so, you know, one example, you know, that we've cited, I think, in the past or, or other places is, is around bank statements. And so, you know, we're lending money. Typically, everybody wants to see bank statements. Well, what we found is that there was really no predictive benefit in the performance of a loan, you know, coming out of bank statements, either the, the number you, you, you reviewed, um, the ending balance at the end of the month, the average balance, the number of transactions, et cetera. And all you did was kind of, you know, take up, you know, four hours of, of your team's processing time. And you typically upset customers because it was a little bit of a back and forth and, and a pain in the neck. And so that was a process step that we could eliminate and, and show kind of our end institutional investors that look, we're not, we're not adding risk to the product here. Um, this is actually helping um, helping the business overall, and and we could explain that through through our risk models. And so, you know, over the years, we've continued to you know hone in on different elements and continue to refine our capability. You know, everything from looking at comparables in a market to kind of understanding you know the after repair value of a home. You know, all of this, all all of these areas are are places that we're we're investing heavily to to continue to get better and. You know, ultimately, you know, taking advantage of all the technology changes that's happened around machine learning and the like, um, you know, have helped make us smarter. You know, I think at the end, one of the data points that we're really proud of is, you know, in the industry today, or I guess over the last year plus, 
about 75% of people who buy, renovate, and resell a home, you know, will make money on that project. You know, if you're a lending home customer, it's about 93%. And so, you know, we view our, our capability and differentiation as, you know, basically helping our customers make good decisions and, and driving their success, giving them a great experience, and then hopefully having them come back, you know, and, and, and do more transactions with us. So do you think that's the key? Because it's been interesting to watch this uh, this niche industry kind of over the last, you know, seven, eight years. And, um, you know, there's there's some some early players are no longer around. Others uh, have struggled mightily. They're still, they're still uh, alive. But, but Lending Home really came out with a bang, really well funded from the get-go and has sort of become this the, the number one player in sort of the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the digital enabled, tech enabled kind of uh, lending space for, for, for bridge loans. So, I mean, why, why do you think that is? I mean, could you, if you could just isolate maybe two or three points, I mean, you mentioned, it, you mentioned some there about the, the percentages, but how have you able to really maintain this number one position for so long? Yeah, I think it, it goes back to the, the technology advantages that we have. I think the nature of many of our traditional competitors is that they maybe started in, a, in one location, they were regional, but they were limited by people and capability. They might have had traditional credit committees and the like. You know, they, that's not an operation or a, a model that lends itself well to scale. You know, we're in 28 states today. You know, we have an ability to, again, kind of aggregate and use data to, to help make decisions almost like you would a local lender. Um, and that's allowed us to, to serve customers well, whether you're, you know, in California looking at, you know, a multi-million dollar project in the Bay Area, or if you're in, you know, one of the Carolinas and looking at a two to 300K type transaction, um, we're able to serve those customers equally well. And so, you know, for us, it's really, you know, we've really been focused on giving customers a great experience, um, helping serve their needs, making things simpler over time, but then, you know, communicating to them and, and helping them kind of understand, you know, their options around projects, you know, helping them understand what drives success and then just being there for them, you know, having a high say do ratio and, and being consistent, standing by them during COVID. And, and while, you know, terms may have changed, you know, they, they, we've talked about reliability and, 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 and having a, and being a well-funded lender, like you described, but, but actually being able to prove that in COVID, I think has just reinforced that, you know, we're, we, we've grown up to be a great partner for, for these customers. Right, right. Anyway, we're almost out of time, but a couple more questions I want to get to, you know, the, the housing market is hot. I mean, there's nationwide high demand for housing. There's not enough houses to go around basically right now is, is what it's, is what people say. But what, how do you view the, the, the future of, the, of the, the sort of the bridge loan market, the customers that you're working with? I mean, is there a lot of room for, for that market to keep, to keep going up? I, I believe so. Um, and I think it's, it's actually the beginning of, of, of a terrific cycle for, or maybe the extension of a terrific cycle for real estate investors. Um, if you look at what's happened in the country, there, there's a, a housing supply shortage at a time when uh, there's a spike in demand and, and that spike in demand isn't going to, you know, ebb or, or reverse anytime soon. You've got 60 to 70 million millennials entering kind of their prime home buying years. That's going to continue to drive demand for homes. The supply shortage is decades in the making. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, what, what we're looking at is, you know, the housing stock today in this country is the opportunity. Um, Two thirds of, of, of homes in this country are more than 30 years old. You know, there's $25 trillion of, of value in those aged homes. 
in the over $7 billion of transactions Lending Home has done, we've helped our real estate investor customers create over $3.5 billion of value in those aged homes. And so as you think about you know, the housing dynamic over the next decade plus, you know, people want a place to live. Those, those first-time home buyers in particular are more, going to be more price sensitive. And you know, thinking about buying a new home you know, that's more expensive now because of all the input costs and, and everything that's happened with lumber and the like is becoming increasingly expensive. There's really an opportunity to, to move in, you know, to, to move into a refurnished home or refurbished home, one that's move-in ready, kind of prepared, uh, you know, from our real estate investor customers. And so, you know, we're really excited for, for the opportunity to kind of help the country here and, and think it's, it's really going to be an interesting market for, for many years to come for, for real estate investors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So then last question, I mean, given the unusual 18 months that we've all gone through here, I'd love to get sort of your perspective as, you know, I know you haven't been CEO that whole time, but what has Lending Home learned or what, what have you learned over the last 18 months that will you know, really help you in the future? Yeah, I think first is we've got to continue to go out of our way to serve our customers well. You know, we, we would do some things different back in our response to, to COVID. Obviously, I think many people would um, with everything that we've learned, but protecting those relationships Supporting those relationships and building on those is, is just critically important for our business. And so that, that's never been more clear for us as a company. I think secondly is, is just how important it is to take care of your team. You know, everybody's gone through a very different kind of lifestyle change, if you will, through the pandemic. You know, somebody who has teenagers like myself is, has a very different experience from somebody who might have toddlers or, or um, you know, kind of elementary school age kids trying to, to learn from home and and what that means for lifestyle, ability to work, it's just reinforced for us to, to help you know, make sure we're taking care of our people, whatever they need and whatever their situation might be. And then the last thing I'd say is we've really learned, and I don't remember who uh, this quote is attributed to, but, but over, you know, over the year, we, you know, I read somewhere that, that tough times never last, but tough people and teams do. And so you know, I'm just really proud of the Lending Home team and how they came together in a really challenging environment and, and have come out the other side, you know, really thriving um, as a company. I couldn't be prouder of, of, of how everybody's rallied together to, to, to serve customers like we have and really excited for, for what the future holds for us. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Michael, it was great to have you on the show. Best of luck. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be exciting to see, uh, to see what, uh, what the future holds. Sounds great, Peter. Thanks for having me. Okay. See ya. So I've been a beneficiary of, uh, of this system. The house that I live in was built in 1955 and then uh, bought and rebuilt in 2016, which was when, uh, when we purchased it and moved in. Uh, and so I, I, I'm a big fan of the concept. I, I get you know, redeveloping old homes for, for the modern tastes is, is a great use, you know, great use of resources. Now, and the fact is, as you said, there's, there's, there's 60 to 70 million millennials looking to buy houses. People, I mean, the real estate market has just been upended in many ways just because people now are no longer tied to their, to their job. And that is, a, that is something that, that's a trend that's, that, that probably is not going to go away anytime soon. So, you know, the fact is that we have, there's just aren't enough houses for people to live in right now. It's going to drive up, going to drive up prices. It's good news for the developers on lending home. Not great news for first time home buyers, but we live in a supply and demand world. And that is, uh, that is really the, the case where the, one of the driving forces behind the growth in real estate. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.
Today's episode was brought to you by Lendit Fintech, the world's largest digital media and events company dedicated to all things fintech. Lendit Fintech offers programs throughout the year to the fintech community, such as engaging webinars, white papers, a weekly news show, a daily newsletter, and our newest offering, Fintech Features, a program that helps fintech companies amplify their announcements. Find out more details on all these offerings at lendit.com.